بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم لیڈیز اینڈ جینٹلمین السلام علیکم اینڈ ویلکم ٹو اسپیشل ایپیزوڈ آف دا پاکستان جیو اسٹریٹجک ریویو پوڈ کاسٹ ود یور ہوسٹ زکی خالد آئی ول بی ٹاکنگ آن چائنا ایران اسٹریٹجک ریلیشنز ان دا کانٹیکسٹ آف ٹوئنٹی فائیو یئر روڈ میپ ایز وی آل نو انٹرنیشنل میڈیا از بین ابز ود فلیشنگ ہیڈ لائنز اباؤٹ اے کمپریہنسو اسٹریٹجک پارٹنرشپ آف ٹوئنٹی and that uh, this would be a quote-unquote game-changer against uh, U.S. posturing in the region and also the fact that uh, what is being speculated is that this is going to counterbalance uh, U.S. efforts to increase its ingress in the region. Uh, this entire process started when the New York Times published uh, exclusively received excerpts from a draft strategic accord between China and Iran. Uh, just to let you know that uh, accord is still uh, pending approval by Iran's Majlis, which is the parliament. Uh, according to what we know so far, Beijing will invest uh, uh, around $400 billion into different sectors of Iran, development, infrastructure, economy, etc. And in exchange for these investments, uh, Iran would ensure that China receives a discounted supply of uh, crude oil for the next 25 years. So that is basically a quarter of a century. Um, uh, many people have been trying to overhype and exaggerate the strategic ramifications of this agreement. But for, uh, for a very uh, realistic assessment, it is necessary to understand, uh, the, first of all, how and when and I would personally say whether this accord would be passed at all or not and secondly even if it is passed it is important to note where this originally started from uh, China had never looked at Iran from a strategic lens apart from the fact that it was another important gateway to the Arabian Sea and it is a main controller in the Strait of Hormuz being the pivot but uh, at in 2014 when there was a defense ministerial level dialogue between China and Iran uh, then defense minister general Chang Wang Huan visited Tehran and uh, he hosted uh, his Iranian counterpart brigadier general Hossein Dehqan in Beijing not Tehran and it was for the first time after that meeting that he uh, labeled Iran as a strategic partner. Obviously, those are very calculated words and they were uh, preempted. They were not uh, spontaneous. But it still took two years for uh, the Chinese national leadership to officially acknowledge and partner with Iran as a comprehensive strategic partner. Uh, it's worth noting that 2016, uh, after the PLA was uh, restructured, reorganized and improved uh, throughout the uh, Uh, year 2015 by President Xi Jinping. 2016 was the year in which China tried to uh, sign strategic accords with two of the most uh, fiercest geopolitical rivals in the Middle East and they are Saudi Arabia and Iran. But it was important for President Xi Jinping to send out the right signals and instead of going to Iran first, He touched base in Riyadh on 19th January 2016 for talks with King Salman bin Abdulaziz Al Saud and he announced the establishment of a comprehensive strategic partnership. And then a few days later on 22nd January he visited Tehran. So he first stopped in Riyadh to let the Middle East and GCC states know that he, uh, 
gives considerable and it would be appropriate to say primary importance to the Arab Gulf countries and then he visited Tehran. The purpose of this was to try to carefully balance and send out the right signals because um, keeping Iran at one end it is more important for China to dissuade any concerns among the Arab establishments that China favors Iran in the region. That would not be prudent for China because China's major oil supplies still come from the GCC, the OPEC uh, camp and Saudi Arabia leads that. Iran doesn't even come in the top three, it comes somewhere in the sixth or the seventh number as of the recent trade statistics. It is therefore imperative that Saudi Arabia be given uh, more priority and this does not mean that uh, China wants to undervalue its relationship with Iran or it's trying to use it just as a satellite, no. Uh, the point is that as far as combined economics are concerned, uh, Arab Gulf countries have more stakes with China and vice versa instead of Iran for many reasons. First of all, we know that the JCPOA, it was the US withdrew from it. Uh, and then uh, there were sanctions imposed on Iran so that caused a lot of uh, restrictions in the international market for China to pursue uh, Iran suffered uh, tremendously it was not in a China was not in a position to try to or, or bypass those sanctions and uh, distribute its international image so what happened was that um, in 2000 in January 2016 first a strategic partnership was signed with Saudi Arabia and then a few days later in the same month with Iran and interestingly if you you know move two years ahead in 2018 China signed another comprehensive strategic partnership accord but this time with the UAE so we see that there are at least two major GCC power players with whom China has strategic partnerships Iran is obviously not a part of GCC and it uh, it is it forms the rival component of uh, Saudi Arabia and UAE so this is uh, these are some facts which uh, analysts will have to take into uh, con uh, into consideration before they try to carry out any analyses or try to assess where the future trajectory of china iran relations will be headed and um, it's interesting to note that the 2016 comprehensive uh, strategic agreement between iran and china the full text of the agreement mentions a clause which says concluding a bilateral 25-year comprehensive cooperation agreement on their agendas. Obviously, when it, uh, if you look, there is a precedent set by Pakistan when the China-Pakistan economic corridor was being signed. Earlier, when uh, President Xi Jinping held meetings with uh, then Prime Minister Nawaz Sharif, then uh, he had signed the partnership program and he announced investments in CPEC and they uh, were immediately operationalized and uh, we saw an in inflow of cash material and other uh, services uh, coming into pakistan so uh, when china means business then it means business it uh, immediately starts cooperating but we have noticed that in the case of iran it took it's still four years and that 25 year road map hasn't been actually materialized what was the reason for that there could be many. Uh, obviously, there are some aspects in which Iran might have apprehensions and then there are some in which China will have its own apprehensions. And I for one consider that more than Iran because Iran is obviously desperately in need of a bailout and it needs a guarantor 
of uh, uh, long term investments in 25 years is a wonderful time period to have economic uh, guarantees uh, china will have more apprehensions and the reasons i'll mention uh, a bit later ahead uh, it's worth mentioning that um, um, when this uh, co comprehensive strategic partnership agreement with iran was being discussed uh, that process kept lingering why was that so uh, one could understand that iran was trying to exercise and probe its options it was trying to look around for alternatives but it couldn't india did not prove to be the sort of reliable partner as it had hoped to be russia and iran were already and still are already extensively engaged on the western front which is syria and they have their own uh, uh security matters to deal with uh, economics was not the forum in which uh, russia and iran could collaborate properly as they were extensively involved at the security front and there were other issues also which were uh, stopping this decision and primarily as i mentioned earlier it was the sanctions and russia also did not want to send out wrong signals to the international community by trying to bypass sanctions so Russia and China they both waited for Iran to comply with the international obligations and uh, when that um, period of sanctions would be over then they would resume their coordination so what happened was during this process in august 2019 so basically there was almost a gap of 3 years since that strategic accord was signed in 2016 after about 3 years in august 2019 we witnessed iranian foreign minister jawad zarif leading a delegation of officials to beijing and he tried to uh, share salience of his vision with the chinese leadership and try to assure them that uh, china, iran would look for china's interests in the region uh, as long as china was willing to cooperate but that was the period obviously in 2019 when um there were a lot of uh, political and diplomatic sensitivities involved in china was not sure that it should be ready to jump into the bandwagon or not so what happened was while the iranian mfa the ministry of foreign affairs was leading its own prong in negotiations with beijing uh, the irgc which is basically um, the ideological uh, islamic revolutionary guard corps operating uh, under uh, uh, sayed khamenei and which is parallel to the regular iranian armed forces the artesh the irgc is basically the prong which is responsible for um, iranian uh, quote and quote excursion overseas and regional interferences and they have a vast network in which they have deployed their assets in countries like pakistan syria iraq lebanon um, bahrain yemen etc and they needed and these uh, assurances that china or the pla would be at their back because uh, that actually signals to you how important it is that uh, they were in a survival mode and they still are in a survival mode the irgc has faced a lot of sanctions we witnessed last year the killing of uh, the targeted assassination of uh, qasim salamani the quds force commander and we all know the quds force operates under irgc so what happened was in 2019 when uh, qasim soleimani was alive uh, and jawad zarif had already finished his trip to beijing 
the chief of staff major general mohammad hussain bakri visited bij a month after zarif in september 2019 to hold his own military to military dialogue with the pla leadership on the same issues so basically uh, the issue was the same a 25 year strategic partnership but there were two prongs going one was the civilian government uh, represented by the mfa the foreign minister jawad zarif and one was the irgc prong which was being led by uh, hussain bakri and just 3 months later uh, so first in august 2019 jawad zarif visits beijing September 2019 Hussein Bakri visits Beijing 3 months later in the end of 2019 so this was you can say uh, a few weeks before Soleimani was assassinated uh, Bakri hosted Chinese military officials in Tehran so these talks were going on and uh, you can very clearly see that uh, Iran and its uh, Quds force the IRGC Quds force continued its regional uh, interferences and uh, military confrontation with the US through clandestine means while at the same time trying to negotiate with China and who other than major general mohammad hussain bakri and uh, if you have read the personality profile of uh, mohammad hussain bakri which you can uh, easily find through open sources online you'll see that this is, uh, he is one of the most hardcore uh of individuals who was involved as a young radical in the um, storming the US embassy in 1979 during the so called uh, Islamic revolution of Iran and uh, he rose from the ranks through then so he's a fully indoctrinated and loyal officer to the uh, IRGC cadre and especially Khamenei the actual leadership of Iran so this is basically you can uh, simply equate that this is Khamenei trying to negotiate with uh, Beijing directly and on the other hand we had Hassan Rouhani through Zarif trying to negotiate with his Chinese counterparts so when we talk about influence and the impact factor that is involved then obviously uh, uh, the symbolism of an uh, the Iranian chief of staff negotiating with Beijing is more important then we come to this uh, important uh, other observation and that is um, the economic indicators we are keeping these security issues uh, for later we'll first have to understand that uh, this 25 year partnership is basically based on economics it is basically uh, completely related to uh, economic avenues and trying to use that geo economic influence to uh, gain a foothold in the west asia region and as far as data is concerned Saudi Arabia as i mentioned earlier remains the largest supplier of crude oil for china in 2019 as per trade statistics uh, the barrel per day imports from saudi arabia increased by 0.5 million to 1.7 million barrels per day which is basically 16% of china's total oil imports and uh, i did some analysis uh, i went to the website of the american enterprise institute they run this fantastic uh, tracker called the china global investment tracker uh, they regularly update that uh, excel file which has all the data related to uh, monitoring of chinese investments i repeat not trade data chinese investments in different countries internationally so uh, i uh, extracted and analyzed that data and you can do it yourself also Uh, if you i uh, what i did was uh, you'll read more details in my upcoming article for the center for strategic and contemporary research in islamabad 
uh, it's titled assessing the future of china iran strategic partnership i would encourage you to read that article because that will contain a detailed analysis i'll just give you a quick roundup of uh, what i have discovered and that is that if you analyze the quantum of chinese investments in saudi arabia and iran as case studies since 2016 when china inked strategic agreements with both countries you'll see that uh, from 2016 till the end of 2017 china kept investing twice more in iran as compared to saudi arabia but uh, from 2018 onwards it almost tripled investments in saudi arabia and reduced those in iran um, interestingly however by the end of 2019 uh, because obviously there was a period of uncertainty involved sulaimani was killed and there were other uh, issues taking place there was a big slump and a decline in investments in saudi arabia so in um, 2019 uh, chinese investment in saudi arabia was at its peak at around 5.5 billion us dollars but by the end of 2019 and beginning of 2020 that uh, slowed down to 0.43 billion and this is primarily for the because of the fact that covid emerged and it obviously impacted several dynamics not just the economic angle but uh, diplomatic angle and security angle so market uncertainties a pandemic and um, uh, prioritizing internal arrangements for the well-being of the people they had occupied uh most of the attention of the chinese planners and that is why uh we see that as of yet the data which is available by the american enterprise institute which i was able to find is uh, till Ma- may 2020 only so as of may 2020 uh china invested 0.43 billion dollars in saudi arabia in 2020 alone whereas there is not a single investment in iran so this is the first year 2020 is the year so far in which china has not invest chinese companies have not invested a single dollar in iran so what does this show you amidst uh, the pandemic why didn't china invest in iran also that is a question which i am not in a position to answer we'll have to wait and see what caused a bit of confidence in saudi arabia but not iran but overall from 2016 till 2020 keeping the uh, sanctions in between saudi arabia received almost 14 billion dollars in chinese investments whereas iran received only 10.2 billion dollars this is a massive uh, difference because um this is almost a difference of 3.8 billion dollars this is not a small difference and this is just saudi arabia which i'm talking about i haven't yet included data for the uae and uh, qatar and other countries because that would obviously since saudi arabia itself is overtaking iran just imagine if we add the uae and qatar into it then the quantum of investments in gcc countries which obviously means geopolitical stakes for beijing far outweigh those than in iran coming to the political factors if you are um, reading different analyses i would recommend that there is this very interesting commentary by ofira selikhtar and farhad rizai 
of the for the Begin Sadat Center uh, Institute of Strategic Studies in Israel. Uh, they've written this very interesting commentary, which mentions the mystery clause in the roadmap between China and Iran. Uh, reportedly, what uh, that commentary mentions is that um, former Iranian President Mahmoud Ahmadinejad has raised concerns about uh, uh, quote-unquote sovereignty violations in the agreement between China and Iran. Uh, I wasn't able to check those documents myself because uh, they require a paid version. It would be inappropriate if I try to base my arguments on something which I have not read myself. But Selektar uh, and Rizai have read those documents and what they say is that uh, this is we still don't know whether Ahmadinejad is trying to score brownie points uh, being in the opposition but uh, it appears that there is actually that mystery clause does actually have implications which would bind the IRGC not to misuse funds meant for the economic revival of Iran. Apparently uh, Beijing will ensure that Tehran does not misuse revenue from this agreement to promote its destabilizing regional policies through the Quds force. Uh, and uh, well, Selektar and Rizai, they rightly say that um, even if there are any hidden conditions or even a blatant condition mentioned in the document, uh, who's to say that the IRGC and Quds Force would uh, discontinue their activities in the region? And this is factual because despite uh, signing the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, Iran continued its aggressive regional interventions. So this is factual. And you cannot expect China to try to dictate the IRGC on what it should and should not do. That is even a territory in which Russia hasn't even bothered to in interfere. And Russia is very mindful of the fact that uh, the regime in Tehran, it is very particular about trying to, uh, to externalize uh, Quds Force operations by any friendly country or ally who tries to uh, direct them toward a particular orientation and that is the exclusive domain of Khamenei. Uh, we, no country is in a position or no country will ever be allowed to dictate the IRGC and what it should and should not do. So yes, there could be reason to believe that Ahmadinejad is trying to score uh, politics by raising hue and cry over sovereignty violations but this is interesting and it will be interesting to note what that mystery clause is um, because the fact of the matter remains Tehran will continue its involvement in neighboring regional countries as its strategy is to maintain regional dominance and try to create a, a crescent an arc of influence around Arab Gulf states for various uh, political and economic interests um, and I am a personal uh, believer in the fact that uh, I have been following uh, Alexander Dugin and the Eurasia party which has uh, which continues to exercise significant influence um, in the workings of the Kremlin especially President uh, Vladimir Putin of Russia and if you've read uh, Dugin's work I have had the fortune or good uh, or misfortune of reading Dugin's works his fascist ideology and his expansionist agenda to revive uh, uh, the Russian Empire and uh, part of that strategy we've seen Ossetia uh, taking over Crimea and this is the same person who mentioned that Iran is a very important country which will act as the southern node in the larger Eurasian mass to ensure influence over Islamic countries so for 
Russia, if we look at the greater geopolitical chessboard, Iran is the country which, apart from uh, being the base for international north-south transport corridor and uh, and the Eurasian Economic Union, the railroads which are connecting from the Indian Ocean, from Iran to Europe and also through Russia, St. Petersburg, etc. For Russia, Iran is like, is similar to as Pakistan is to China. So, uh, Iran is basically the Pakistan for Russia. And that is a territory in which you cannot expect the Chinese to intervene because the Chinese know very well the mindset of the Russians and the Iranians and their extraordinary regional strategic relationship which includes direct military coordination against the interests of the United States. That is a big no-no for China because China will not enter into any alliance or any relationship which would pit itself directly in a military confrontation with the United States. Even in the South China Sea, we've seen some um, uh, uh, aggressive patrolling by the PLA, well, uh, aggressive in the sense that that is what the, how the US perceives it. And they've been very uh, calibrated enough not to create a situation in which there would be a direct military confrontation. They're using uh, clandestine means or other means uh, of which we term as proxies in trying to send a message of uh, deterrence to the US and its allies. So um, as far as uh, Iran is concerned, let me just give you a few examples where Russia and China have divergent interests. For example, uh, despite being discreetly supportive of Bashar al-Assad, uh, we know that uh, Arabs were upset on this. China did not involve itself in, an, uh, in a military alliance in Syria. Similarly, uh, Russia and Iran held a naval drill. Uh, China took part in it. Pakistan was invited, but it didn't go. China did participate in it, but it was a very minimal participation. There were not many important ships involved. And it was uh, not overhyped as China uh, publicizes its other military exercises with allies such as Pakistan. So it was a formality which was there. But China knows that uh, Russia and Iran have their own uh, more stronger mutual interests in the region and the China-Iran relationship cannot be included as a trilateral with Russia. Uh, frankly speaking, uh, as far as uh, geopolitics are concerned, uh, one does not see a trilateral involving Russia, Iran and China. That does not appear to be a possibility. Yes, there will be distinct Russia, Iran and separately Iran, China relationships going on at play. Uh, China will, however, to exercise influence in West Asia, China already has good understanding with Gulf countries and it already has a good and solid partner in Pakistan because Pakistan is not only a partner in itself linking the Belt and Road Initiative with the Maritime Silk Route, but Pakistan also is in a position to promote China's ingress into the Arab Gulf region. So that is where uh, Pakistan becomes more resourceful for China uh, as compared uh, to Iran. And another example if I'd like to give you is that there are counter piracy operations taking place under the aegis of the Combined Maritime Task Forces and Headquarters Naval Central Command of US in Bahrain. But uh, while Pakistan is apart and uh, some other countries apart, uh, Iran has its own uh, network, the Arab Gulf countries have their own, but China 
in trying to maybe this is what one assumes not to send a wrong message to Iran it has been carrying out its own standalone counter piracy operations in the Gulf of Aden it is not uh, obviously you could not expect China to become part of uh, CMF or uh, NAFCENT but China did not participate in any Gulf alliance and its relationship with Pakistan also in the maritime realm is purely bilateral they prefer not to involve any other third actor in it because China as I mentioned earlier is very particular about its neutral image in West Asia coming to the security angle um, very um, quickly I'll just give you a brief summary it has been more than seven eight years since the CPEC was announced and that was in the early days of uh, former Prime Minister Nawaz Sharif's tenure and before that also we saw uh, important agreements uh, between uh, former President Asif Ali Zardari's government and China and we uh, President uh, the Chinese leader Hu Jintao was here and uh, there were those agreements also formed components of the future CPEC but as far as CPEC itself is concerned the brand name the symbolic image that started from 2013 onward and uh, when that was announced we saw an increase in violence directed toward Chinese engineers and personnel operating in um, strategic locations strategic project locations in uh, Sindh province and Balochistan and Balochistan is obviously a restive province where uh, insurgency has been a big headache since long uh, several ethno-nationalist terrorist groups uh, in Sindh such as the Sindhu Desh Revolutionary Army and in Balochistan such as the VLA, Balochistan Liberation Army, Majid Brigade and others and Bras, the Baloch Raji Ajoi Sangar they were carrying out targeted attacks against the Chinese when the CPEC was announced it was then that when uh, they were able to gain some success in these that uh, the government of Pakistan realized it was imperative to set up a dedicated security setup to not only protect the Chinese but also the projects as a whole the facilities and the installations etc that is when the Pakistan army set up its special security division the SSD uh, specifically for CPEC and we saw Pakistan Navy raising its own task force 88 for full spectrum coastal protection and we have seen uh, you can uh, read some of my previous uh, commentaries in which I've mentioned how um, Pakistan Navy has been trying to procure fast attack craft and uh, other uh, amphibious equipment UAVs etc for task force 88 along the for coastal protection duties so um, the government of Pakistan this does not these agreements do not take place overnight they don't just suddenly realize that this is something we need to do this is a shared security partnership model in which China is also invested this is not just Pakistan trying to utilize its own resources for it um, from what we can obviously understand is that the excellent cordial relations between uh, the Pakistan armed forces and the PLA uh, what uh, would have happened is that as parallel to the announcement of CPEC there were negotiations going on between different prongs of Pakistan armed forces and their counterparts in the PLA to for a man shared security model in which uh, one would assume that uh, China would be incentivized to invest in uh, additional security costs for these uh, installations 
with the guarantees provided by uh, Pakistani security forces and that does appear to have borne fruit as the number of uh, incidents uh, negatively impacting these projects has been considerably reduced barring a few very minor incidents in which um, these hostile groups have been able to um, impact or sabotage the projects but the fact remains that the security investments in Pakistan uh, were directly involving the PLA and the Pakistan Armed Forces and that is not the sort of arrangement which the PLA has with Iran. The PLA and Iran, particularly the IRGC, their relationship uh, cannot be examined right now because it is still a subject of uh, intense debate. Uh, we do know that uh, the Navy uh, drill which was being held between Russia, China and Iran involved the regular Iranian Navy, it did not involve the IRGC Navy. And this is important for China because Russia although is uh, fine with collaborating with the IRGC because Russia also has expansionist agendas, China has been careful not to associate itself with the IRGC because that is an ideological prong and it would upset its uh, relations with uh, Arab Gulf countries. Russia as we all know is not in a, uh, does not have that sort of relationship with Arab Gulf countries or the trust level as does China because China is very particular. This is where China has a benefit over the Russians and this is not something that the Chinese would risk simply because the Iranians are trying to lure them into a lucrative deal. No, that is not going to be the case. And the other fact is that uh, the PL, uh, PLA would not uh, risk deploying boots on the ground in China. This is my opinion. I might be wrong because the fact of the matter is uh, this is a very dangerous gamble. Just imagine that the terrorist group Jaish al-Adil which is based in Sistan, Balochistan province of Iran and which Iran wrongly claims are based in the Pakistani side of Balochistan. Just imagine that that group carries out attack on Iranian uh, garrison officers in deployed somewhere on a sensitive project on Iranian soil then obviously Iran has so far over the years including when Soleimani was alive he used to he directly threatened Pakistan of trying to attack so-called terrorists within Pakistan and similarly the Iranian chief of staff Bakari himself accused Pakistan of trying to harbor Jaishul Adil if such an incident takes place then obviously it would suck China into a quagmire in which it, uh, a trans-border um, regional uh, uh, trans-border dispute. Um, Iran and Pakistan have not been able to build confidence on uh, shared border secure, uh, controls while Pakistan has expressed its willingness to improve its relationship with Tehran. Tehran has still maintained a hawkish posture. It continues to blame Pakistan and accuse it of trying to uh, not properly take action against terrorists which are allegedly based on its soil. Uh, Pakistan has for its part uh, given uh, sufficient evidence periodically to Iran giving them uh, coordinates about the presence of uh, terrorists on Ira Iranian soil in Sistan um, and uh, we do know that there are some other groups involved such as the MEK etc. Mujahideen Khalq that are based in Ahwaz and uh, other places uh, which are claimed to be supported by certain Arab Gulf countries. So if China goes uh, involves itself with boots on the ground in Iran and any of these groups attack on China then obviously that would create a very dangerous situation for China in which uh, it will have to 
manage its security relationship the distrust between uh, iran and pakistan it will unnecessarily be put in a position of mediation which it would not like to get into china would not like to mediate between iran and pakistan china would most uh, preferably try to let these two countries sort out their own issues it has never intervened in the past and it would never do that in the future china does not involve itself unnecessarily in any bilateral issue it does not prefer that for itself it does not prefer that for anyone else also and we know that the military to military confidence building measures between iran and pakistan have been fruitless to date so again china would not be in a position to offer itself as a guarantor of peace and fa- the fact of the matter is the recruitment issues in uh, IRGC and uh, a worsening economy uh, are a testament to the fact that Iran at least is not in a position to set up a dedicated security service for any Chinese projects um, so i don't see i personally don't see china uh, being strategically involved within iran at least as far as being present on the soil is concerned so um, to wrap it up the 25 year accord it is important it is symbolic uh, but remember that has been, it has been there since 2016 uh, there was a gap of 2 to 3 years in which china remained silent and uh, it tried to continue its responsible uh, image with the international community and not uh, out favor iran at the risk of its own international repute china is already struggling to maintain and counter uh, american allegations of uh, aggressiveness and expansionist agendas so called expansionist agendas in the south china sea the scs is all is already the most important issue which is occupying china's mind in the western pacific and while some commentators including um, rizai mentioned earlier if they say that china is trying to set up its base in iran so that it can have a credible presence in the indian ocean well the fact of the matter is that pakistan is already there for this part this is uh, it is well understood by geostrategic analysts that china is not just economically interested in pakistan obviously apart from djibouti the only other place where china could find a proper birthing and replenishment facility for its maritime interests in the indian ocean that is pakistan whether it is karachi whether it is gwadar or uh, but um, the important thing to note over here is uh, djibouti is just a logistics base um, but pakistan is a country with which china has an all weather comprehensive strategic partnership the terms all weather means that um, they have stood and they continue to stand the test of time and the facilities the infrastructure that is available in pakistan for uh, the pla navy including uh, vast experience in interoperability between the both navies that could never be replaced by iran within a period um, spontaneously or within 5 years it would require extensive joint exercises and discussions and interactions etc and we know if you study uh, the drills going on i have been monitoring what um, as part of my indian ocean monitoring i have been looking into how much of the irgc navy is uh, performing and how the regular iranian navy is performing there is a very negligible footprint of the regular iranian navy and uh, as far as port projects are concerned 
there is development work underway you can't expect india to remain silent and the chinese to just come throw their billions into iran for and sit over here for 25 years that's not going to take the place and the most important element over here is what are all these statements being based on including our own uh, pakistan's own foreign minister mr shah mahmood qureshi who appears to be misinformed or ill informed um, perhaps he's not receiving the sort of assessments he should be receiving uh, there was a single report which quoted Iranian so government officials saying that uh, India has been completely removed from the Zahidan Chabahar railway project. Well, two things. Recently, Iran's railway minister said, uh, Saeed Rasuli, he said that um, Iran and India are quote-unquote determined to continue cooperation on the railway line. And obviously this contradicts earlier statements by other Iranian officials. The fact of the matter is that um, the fact of the matter is that uh, even if we are to consider that Iran is removing India from that railway project, it does not mean that India is being removed from Chabahar altogether. Its investments in Chabahar are separate and distinct and uh, the Chabahar Zahidan railway project is a subcomponent of that project. So if we are to base that fact that uh, India is has been kicked out or it's at a disadvantage as China has won and then China is going to link CPEC uh, with Iran and there are also uh, the funny uh, some of the funny things I've been noticing recently is that there are a few people who have actually claimed that uh, Iran is going to replace Pakistan as um, the node connecting uh, uh, maritime silk route with belt and road initiative this is utter nonsense Ch iran does not have that sort of infrastructure that area is highly contentious the waters uh, of of iran in bandar abbas and chabahar and uh, we have to remember that uh, that makran coastline in on the iranian side it witnesses many conflicts and there is a lot of instability over there whereas Pakistan's side of the Makran coastline has a robust security architecture in place whether it is the army, it is the navy, it is the marines and uh, there are also commercial entities over here that are more appropriate to for a guaranteed presence of Chinese personnel and security of interests as compared to those in Iran and the fact of the matter is how long ago can you imagine that Iran would at some point be considered as a gateway for China to access the Indian Ocean China has never looked at Iran in that way in fact even if you realistically talk about Pakistan the only thing China is interested in as far as uh, available evidence is concerned is that Pakistan will ensure a safe passage of uh, commercial um, maritime traffic and goods supplied coming from ships through the land and into uh, onto Europe and um, it will be a watch post which will enable uh, China to keep an eye on the western Indian Ocean but that is not a position for uh, Iran because at any point of time whenever China knows that whenever there is a maritime conflict involving the IRGC or the Iran Navy with the US Naval Central Command then that would automatically suck China into that gambit 
China does not want to go there. It is an extremely uh, risky business. The uh, costs far outweigh the benefits. Uh, whereas Pakistan, it has a, a, a it has a historic relationship with Nafcent. It has a presence over there, and its relationship with China is also um, as similar to that of uh, the U.S. So the Pakistan Navy is a neutral partner with which. China can look out on its uh, maritime uh, part. Uh, in conclusion, what I would like to say is that there are several reasons for people to be, um, try to overhype and exaggerate the benefits that might be accrued from a 25-year roadmap between Iran and China. But the fact of the matter remains that we have to see how China proceeds with it and whether or not this agreement will actually take place. Even if it does, what I am confident and sure about is the fact that. Uh, China will keep on investing in Iran in uh, in phases. It will not immediately inject 400 billion dollars into China. So rest assured, keeping its larger interests with the GCC in perspective, China will be more thoughtful and mindful of the GCC countries as compared to Iran. Yes, there will be billions invested in Iran if that agreement is signed, but it will be in phases. It will not be a game changer. So in any case, our assessment needs to be realistic, and we have to understand that uh, an analysis has to be based on uh, the proper context and the underlying dynamics. We do not need to rush to make any uh, judgments which are going to uh, backfire on us and we certainly do not want to make any statements that could negatively impact our Pakistan's own approach toward this issue. So let's wait and watch. I personally believe that Iran is just simply trying to hype this and someone in Iran was trying to publicize this material and send messages to Pakistan and India but uh, this is not something which should be taken as bloatedly as many people are trying to project it. This, that's all for this special episode. Thank you for your time. Allah Hafiz.